All right, John chapter 17, and we're in this series called uh, Contrast. The idea of the series is that we are talking about what's the difference between a, a community of people that call themselves Christians or call themselves the church. What's the difference between them gathering and any other group of people gathering? What's the difference between people gathering to watch a movie or gathering to watch a sporting event or gathering at a family event uh, and the people of God gathering together to worship God? What's the difference? What's the contrast? What actually makes their, uh, what's the distinction I think it's important that the church has a distinction, right? Like, I'm, I'm not, listen, <laughs> if I didn't have to be up every Sunday at 1030, if it was just to get together, I'd schedule another time. <laughs> and maybe I will. Like, let's go with one, y'all. No, Cowboys play at noon. So, priorities, God first. Here's the thing, I, I, um, I, I, we're not just getting together. Like, I hope that's not what we're doing. I, I hope we're not just getting together. I mean, I think it's great. Like, I love hanging out with y'all. I love getting here, and I love doing dinner parties, and I love being able to share life with you and, uh, and just be able to talk through things, and I, I think that's great. But if that's all it is, then you can just come over for dinner, and we'll hang out. But if there's something more then I want to make sure we're leaning into, front-footed about, that something more. And I actually think if it isn't more than that, then the people who are coming here to encounter God will not encounter and will not discover the something more. I think people who are coming in, or not just coming here, but coming to dinner party, or gathering around you and your friends, that there should be something more if you claim that God is with you. And if God is with us, then they should encounter God, right? And so the hope and the desire is not that they just encounter you, but that because they encounter you and us, that they encounter also God. That's important. How many of you guys would say that's important? Even if you ain't a believer today, you would still say that's important. Like, that's important for y'all. Because if you're coming here for God and he ain't here, then what are you doing? It's important that we gather. And so we've been talking about this. So let me just give you a quick recap because I know not everybody's made it to every week. And, uh, and so I just want to give a quick kind of a, a mixtape, maybe a, a greatest hits of the last uh, few weeks. All right? If some of you don't know what a tape is. Um, <laughs> like for real, man. The joy of a mixtape, man. Like have, you, can't, you can't skip past that song. No, sir. You're going to mess up the flow. you got to listen to the whole thing. You can't just make your own playlist and skip around all you want. you got to listen to the whole stupid thing. And, and how much, you, you can't, you can fast forward, but you'll end up halfway through a song, and then you go back and forth, it's like ridiculous. And, 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 and here's the thing, how do you know which way is forward and which way is back? Like when you put it on, you put the tape in, and then you go, wait, what? like I put a tape in the other day, it's not labeled. I don't know which side's the front. What the heck, man? I'm sure there's ways to know that, but I don't care. And, um, yeah, right. So this is not what we're talking about today. And uh, so 
I just, I just wanted to, uh, to, to give you a little bit of a, a kind of an overview of what the last few weeks have been. And, and if you've, uh, if you, I was at dinner party Wednesday night, uh, Steve and Linda's awesome time, and, and I heard the others went really well as, as well. So make sure you, you, you get in there and hang it out. And, and some of the things you think you need to talk to me about or some talk to Mayor about, you, watch, you just watch. You show up at Steve and Linda's, you show up uh, at Jessica's and Leah's and, and Nate's and those guys. You, you show up over with Bruce and Melody and, and Don, Rhonda, and those guys. I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to. You're going to find some answers. And uh, I know I go in. I just got to listen. And, uh, and it's awesome. And it is kind of intimidating, though, because I'm like, I hope they say they got something. You know, the first question is, what would you get in the last couple weeks? And then there's, like, crickets. And I'm like, oh, man. Um, so sometimes I just don't go. Um, no, so I went dinner party, and, and Steve said this. He said, you know, we, we did this series a while back, uh, and talking through Colossians and, and some of those. We like the, the, the four or five chapter books. They're, they're nice. And, um, and he said, but I can t- I tell you what, this, this series on Ephesians, on contrast community, has maybe been the best one we've ever done. And so I want to just hit these three, and then we're not going to be in Ephesians today. So sorry about you. Um, but we were in Ephesians 2 and in Ephesians 4. And Ephesians is one of my favorite ch- uh, books in the Bible. So let me just tell you what we hit in the first couple weeks, and then we'll jump into John 17. Hopefully you've had enough time to turn there and, uh, and hang out. First week we talked about the presence of God. That In Ephesians 2, he says that he's putting you brick by brick together, stone by stone together, that you might be a dwelling place for his spirit. Not, not, not like Meredith brick by brick together, but Meredith and Amanda and Steph, like you, putting you brick by brick by brick together and all those and, and Steve pointed this out at dinner party see dinner party is good he goes you know it, 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 we talked about it, that, that it's not these perfect bricks that come out of a machine perfectly made and, and fitted together it's actually the, the the real words here are stones like like you're walking along this path through these stones that they don't all match up perfectly but it just so happens that you find the edge of someone else and the the crooked part of someone and and the broken part of someone and you somehow fit those together and all of a sudden God makes that a place where his presence hangs out, built upon the cornerstone of Jesus. And somehow in all our perfections, people encounter God. Like that should be a distinction. That even in your imperfection, you found some other imperfect people who build their life upon who Jesus is. And somewhere in the midst of them is the spirit of God. That should be one of the great testimonies of the church, that it is not about perfect people because we ain't ever going to get there until we meet Jesus in the sky, right? Like that, I don't, heaven in the sky, well anyways, so that's just a song. But but the point being that that we won't ever, we won't ever be there until, we're built upon Jesus. And how cool is it that he allows you to be a part of his wall? Like that's just, to me, that's really cool. Like it it says this, it says, built upon Christ the cornerstone and the apostles. So for some of you who think you ain't worth much and you ain't got nothing to add and you got nothing important to do and you got, listen, can I just tell you, you're in the same wall as Jesus and the apostles. The guys who wrote the thing, you're, on their, you're in their house. You're not some guest house or back house. You are in the house that, that, come on, that matters. I think that's a privilege. And I think it says to you that you matter, that what you have and who you are and where you've struggled and where you've been successful, all of it. All of it fits in. It's good. And so the presence of God is not a place, it's a people. The presence of God moved from a place in the temple, in the tabernacle, into the people. And so now we, so here's why, here why, here's why that matters. If none of you all showed up today, 
this wouldn't be church. If you didn't show, if there was nobody in this room today, this wouldn't be church. I don't care what it would say on the sign. I don't care if we had the flags up. I don't care if the chairs were set. I don't care if we even had a soundtrack singing worship. That, that, that was like, if you weren't here, the church isn't here. So you are the presence. So that was, that was week one. See, it was, it's been a good series. Okay, so week two, week two we talked about this, that we should have an uncommon unity. An uncommon unity. That if there is constant opportunity for division, because there is. In fact, you've already had it today. Even as I've been talking, some of you are like, I'm not sure I agree with that. Right? If there is constant opportunity for division, meaning you find something offensive, or you find something not cool, or you find something that's outside your comfort zone, you find, and you go, man, I'm going to separate myself from that within family, within marriage, within relationship, at workplace, wherever you are. I've found some way to divide myself from people. If, there's an, if there is a constant opportunity for division, then there must be a consistent effort towards unity. So Ephesians 2, because unity will never happen by accident. You will never be unified with people just because. There will be an intentional effort. And so Ephesians 2, and actually this happens, Ephesians 4, sorry. This happens a lot in Paul's letters. Because Paul's writing to people who, on one hand, were Jews and had been chosen for a while. And on the other hand, were Gentiles, which meant anyone who was not a Jew. And they were all of a sudden being welcomed into the family. And so you had these two very different groups of people. Some who'd been on the outside for a long time. Some who'd been on the inside. So, so that's why you hear this word that Paul writes that says, those who were far away are near, and those who were near are near and so they're together and, and so here's here's the thing here's the thing so that's not again and I, I well I'm not going to get into that but but that's that's what we're talking about we're not talking about a person who was far we're talking about a people who were far and that people have been brought so Paul's hammering away in almost every single letter he writes he's hammering away hammering away at this idea that you must make every effort for unity make every effort to be unified. And it's just following him saying you're called. And in that place he was talking about people, but he's also talking about you. You have a calling. Live a life worthy of this calling that has been put upon you. And then he goes into this unity thing. So we must have an uncommon unity. Make every effort to dwell in unity. It is your responsibility to be unifiers of the church. To be a unifier of the body. If people see us majoring on minors, they will never, ever, ever, ever be willing to hang out with you and major on what really matters. If we are getting caught up in, and it's, it's, like, it's almost like worship styles, man. You, you don't like the it's loud music, so I'm not sure I'm down with that. Well, okay, you can still worship. I mean, you know, I don't know about that gospel music. I do. It's awesome. For real. It's good. You should see me in the bathroom on Sunday morning. We get down. And, but listen, I get, let me just tell you, I, it's that, it's actually, it's the diversity and it's the unity, the, the uncommon unity. It doesn't matter what the style of the sound, we are all worshiping Jesus. So that uncommon unity. In the third week, in this past week, we talked about calling, that everyone has a special gift. And it's, we talked about this idea that Ephesians 4 starts with you're called, then says be unified, be humble, make allowances for people's wrongs, uh, love people, says all those things, and then gets back to the fact that you're called. Meaning, your calling must filter through community or it will not have the impact or the strength that it's meant to have. 
Your gifting actually ties into other people's gifting. What makes a body a body is that every one of us is different. We, we are not a good body if all of us are fingers. That's weird. Seriously. And you go to a church or you go to a gathering where everybody is exactly the same, that's weird. That ain't healthy. Health is found in diversity, that every part is playing its part. And because of that, everyone is able to function and the whole is able to move forward. So at the end of Ephesians 4, what does it say? When you do your own special work, it allows the other parts to grow, leaving the body healthy, growing, and full of love. And so while we are unified, it does not mean we are all uniform. We are unified in our diversity, that your gift matters to my gift and mine matters to yours. Everyone is gifted, everyone is called, and we're all called eventually to be part of the body of Christ that we might move it forward into what God's called it to move into. Amen? Amen. It's been a good series. Okay, John chapter 17. I don't know if you've ever done this. Um, I have. That's why I'm talking about it. Have you ever done this? Have you ever, uh, let's, let's take the grocery store, for example. Fellas, this is you right here. Have you ever gone to a place and forgotten why the heck you are there? You, you, like, I, I don't know about you. I don't even have to drive five minutes down the road to forget what I'm doing. Like, I could get out of my bed because I feel like something's really urgent. And I'll get out of my bed and maybe it's outside. And I'll run outside to do something. And then I'll... I'll be standing in the middle of the grass in my front yard. My neighbors are out waving at me, and I'm going, what the heck am I doing out here? Anybody know that feeling? And, and, and what do you do in that moment? You act like there is something to do. Because otherwise, you just look like a dude who ran out in your front yard and then walked back inside. You can't do that. Your neighbors already think you're kind of weird. You can't just add to the legend. So you... you You've got, to, you've got to start doing something. Like, you look at your grass. Like, man, you know what? That just, you know, that, just, that you know, I, you see this? Like, I can't even. Man, well, all right, well, I'm going to go work. I'm going to Google this, and I'll be back. And you go back. Like, you've got to make up something. Have you ever forgotten why you are where you are? Have you ever forgotten the reason you showed up in the first place? Do I, I, I have a feeling that sometimes we are that way as a church. We have forgotten why we are here in the first place. We walk across the threshold on a Sunday morning into this building and into this group of people, and for some reason, some way, somehow, we have already, by the time we sit in our chair, forgotten why the heck we are here. We've forgotten why we joined up with this crazy group of people. Why we decided to follow Why are we here? And I think not just our church, I just think in general, we, we tend to walk through life at times forgetting why we're even in the building. Yeah. We're just standing in our front yard going, I, and then this is what we do as a church sometimes. We, we, we go, well, people are looking at us, so, um, so let's just make something up. We start messing with the grass, and we start, get, like we start doing stuff, because somehow that will fix the perception and we start doing things, and then we retreat back into our house because, again, we've forgotten why we're here. In John 17, Jesus is praying this prayer just before he's going to be betrayed and turned over to be crucified. And, and Jesus is praying a prayer. In fact, all of John 17, for the most part, is a prayer of Jesus. And, and it's cool to hear uh, what Jesus prays because prayer often will, will tell you what your heart is obsessing over. 
you will wake up in the morning and the first thing you pray about is God provide. Because maybe your paycheck was shorter than you thought it would be or, or maybe a bill came in or maybe you had a family emergency and there's things. And the first thing that comes up, or maybe your prayer is, man, I'm pray over that person or that thing. And prayer, and not in a bad way, prayer often over the course of time will reveal, true prayer will reveal where your heart is. And it's actually why you must pray. Because as you pray, you discover where you are and in the process also discover where God wants you. And you begin to work your heart towards that place. And you begin to trust him and begin to be honest with him. And you begin to be open with him. And you begin to be transparent with him. It's amazing how sometimes we can hide as much as we want, as much as we can, from what God is wanting to do and what he's wanting to speak into our life. And so we, we, prayer is, is that revelation of where you are. And so Jesus' prayer in John 17, just before he's going to be betrayed, he knows what's on the way. He came for this ex- exact purpose, that he would live a perfect life, die, and be born again. And, and, and here's the thing. Arise again. And so here's Jesus, and he's saying this last prayer. And, and, and Jesus is praying his prayer. In the first part of John 17, he's praying a prayer about, about his 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 legacy, really about what he's here for. He says, Lord, lift me up. Let, this, let me be glorified. He, I want to make sure that people see me and know me and hear me. The second part of his prayers for his disciples, he's praying that his disciples would be comforted, strengthened, that they would be uh, on purpose and intentional, that they would be unified and together. And then he says this last part of a prayer in 17, and he starts it by saying, uh, all those who would come to me because of the message of these disciples. Okay, so he's really in a lot of ways praying about you. So this part of the prayer is for you. All right? So he's praying this part of the prayer. John 17, verse 21, says this. I pray that they, you, they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I am in them, and you are in me. This is verse 23. May they be made completely one, so the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Okay. First of all, in these sections, and I only read two of them, in these kind of four, five, six verses here, uh, Jesus prays for unity three times. Three times. Lord, may they be one. And he prays for a result of that oneness twice. And it's the same thing. So, so what, if we're looking at Jesus' prayer and trying to discover what is important to him as he knows he's about to be crucified and about to die and about to suffer at the hands of, uh, of the people he came for, really, uh, what is he praying? If, we're really, if we believe that's going to show us a bit about what he thinks is important, uh, then, then, then we must pay attention to what he's praying. He's praying, first, for three things. He's praying Three things, but they're all the same thing. That they would be one. You know, I just think Jesus could have prayed a lot of different things. Like Jesus could have prayed that they'd be empowered. And Jesus could have prayed that they'd like have a lot of joy. And Jesus would have prayed, man, I pray they have no suffering ever in their entire life. Lord, I pray that everything's easy. Jesus, I pray uh, that that they wouldn't even be able to say no to me. I, I pray They could have prayed a bunch of different things. But Jesus prayed one thing several times. In fact, his prayer about the disciples was very, very similar. But he prays this one thing. He says, let them be together. Let them be one. Let them be united. I pray they are one. 
seems like a pretty important thing. That, like, like he could, you know, I don't know about you, but I pray for several things in my prayer life. Like in one time, you know, maybe five minutes, but I'll, I'll easily fit in 72 things, right? It's easy. Jesus doesn't do that here. John doesn't record Jesus saying anything but this about you and I. Let them be one. Several times. Let them be. Almost like uh, he's just really trying to push the thing home with, with his father, right? Like, hey, let him be one. Okay, cool. Hey, did you hear that part about let him be one? I know I, I'm repeating myself, but please, let them be one. Bring to them to such a great unity. And, and here's the thing. The standard of his unity, I think this is interesting as well. And this is a challenge. He says, as you are in me and I am in you, let them be one. So so I just want you to think about this. He doesn't say, hey, let them be as close to one as possible on the earth. Let them be really good with each other. He doesn't say, like, you know how John uh, loves Mark? Like, I want them to be like that. Or you know how Peter loves. He doesn't say anything. He says, as I am in the Father and the Father is in me, I want them to be one. So his standard for unity is not necessarily our standard. Because our standard would be like, I get at least two things to hold against you. Right? Like, we're together 98% of the time, but I got two things. Because I need those things, if you ever do anything, to hold against you. Right? I, no, his version of unity is that as he is with the Father, the Father is with him, then let them be the same. And let me just ask a couple questions. Do you think Jesus and God, do you think the Son and the Father, do you think they're like, do you think they're harboring anything against one another? Like seriously, do you think there's some like bitterness there? Like if if you were sent to the earth and you had to die, like would you go, God, really, for real? I'm going to hold this one against you for eternity. Like, do you think there's any of that? Do you, do you actually think, in fact, do you think if there's an opportunity to honor the Father or honor the Son, do you think they hold that back? Do you think, man, he's already too high. Like, he's been lifted up and he's sitting next to me at the throne. Like, I don't need to give him any more props. Like, No, in fact, he sent the Holy Spirit so that Jesus would be lifted up continually over and over and over and over and over again. In fact, I've heard this from Pastor Phil Pringle who, who started the C3 movement. He, he says it like this. He says, he says, he says the glory never rests in the Trinity. And if you don't know what the Trinity means, it's a, it's a concept that's really hard to understand. And one that will get to heaven and go, God, seriously, could you have come up with something different? But God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all God. Three in one. And in fact, you begin to build dig deep, deep, deep down into science and the way we would explain the universe and the atoms. You, you, you begin to find some of those principles evident uh, even in the natural order of things. And so here's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Do you... That the, the praise never rests. That the Holy Spirit points to the Son. The Son points to the to Father. The Father sends the Holy Spirit. To, and it just keeps moving around the room. I, I'm just curious, as you begin to look at what does that, what does that unity look like? Is that the unity we go after? Is that the unity we pursue? Is that the unity we have? Do we honor each other every chance we can get? Do, do we hold things against one another? Well, because, you know, they deserve it. Do, 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 we, do we love one another fully, completely? Do we forgive quickly? Do, you know, again, I go back to this 1 Corinthians 13. Like, I love that chapter, but I just want to be honest with you. I don't always love having to do that chapter. I love it when I need to read it in church or read it at a wedding, but I don't like it when I have to apply it to my own life. Because the long-suffering word, like that word alone is like, I don't want that one. 
that, that make allowance for each other's faults and the joy takes, like, they don't take any joy in someone else's mistakes. Like, no, that's not, love is one that supports. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 30, just a little bit later, begins to talk about if you don't have that kind of love, then the gifts I'm giving you, they just don't really matter much. And so this unity that's in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that unity is the unity Jesus is praying for amongst people who call upon Jesus. So the church is meant to be a church where we are unified like the Father is to the Son. The kind of unity that even when going through the suffering on the cross, Jesus is still speaking to the Father. That kind of unity. The kind of unity that says, even through it all, I'm going to continue to honor, love, and serve because we are in this together. I would, I would challenge you to pray for people. I heard a story of a guy once, and he said, you know, I just had to start praying for a guy that I really didn't like. Because I knew I wasn't going to ever just start liking him. And so he would, no joke, this is kind of, I don't know that I would suggest this. I am preaching it, so I'll just let you discernment, okay? And, um, and he, he starts walking every day and listing all the things he wished would happen with that guy. Yeah, I know, it sounds demented, right? It sounds a little bit like messed up. But here's the thing. He started just praying through this thing. He started just praying through this deal with this guy. And he said, by the end of the month, I didn't have anything bad to say about the guy. I had nothing. I had nothing. Because if something happens when we begin to pray about someone. That, that's, and I know it starts like this. God, fix them. <laughs> like, please. Like, for, fix them in Jesus' name. <laughs> right? But soon it begins to, like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but, man, you begin to pray for somebody, and all of a sudden your heart goes, and you hate it because it's like four days in. And you're praying for somebody. You're seeking God for that person because, man, they need help. And then all of a sudden you go, and, and God fixed me. What? What? No, what? That wasn't, what? Fix, yeah, fix, where am I holding some things in? Where am I speaking negative? Where am I, like, holding offense? Where? Oh, God, what? let's just deal with the first four days of prayer. I don't like the fifth day. This fifth day is not working for me very well. There's something about praying for people, interceding for people, the way Jesus did for us that begins to shift our heart. Because while it shows the obsession of your heart, it, always, it also begins to shape the desires of your heart. As you begin to pray and continue to pray, it begins to shape and shift the desires of your heart. So you begin to pray for somebody, all of a sudden your heart begins to be directed towards that someone. And you begin to think, oh, maybe the reason they're like that is because of this and because of that and because of how this is going. Maybe I haven't even asked the question, like, how are you? That's just an aside, but I'm just saying, if our unity is meant to be like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, if that kind of, then, then, then what does that require of us as people? What does that require of us as the church? And can we do it all on our own? Probably not. That's why it's built on the cornerstone of Christ. So we're not the ones dependent on when things get shaky and things get tough to keep things together. That the cornerstone and the apostles continue to feed into who we are, and God is placing that t- thing together perfectly, carefully. And then he says something else. And this part's the part where you're standing in the middle of your front yard trying to figure out why the heck you got involved in this thing in the first place. Why in the world you're standing in the middle of this place to begin with. This is the part because he says a couple key things in in these verses. And, And really this is kind of the point of today. He says, let them be one as we are one. 
so that the world will know that you sent me. Now, now listen, I know, especially if you've heard this before, you go, amen. Yeah, it's so good. Honestly, this week as I was looking at it, I, I thought, what? Us being unified somehow proves that Jesus is the Son of God? How? Anybody with me? Like, honestly, I just be honest. Like, we're not perfect people here. I, I'm just asking a question. Like, I feel like, you know, Red Sea splitting and some of that kind of stuff. Jesus rose from the dead. Like, that would be good. Like, there's other things that I feel like prove Jesus is the Son of God. But, but us being unified, us being one, us being together is a, is a it's part of the witness that Jesus actually showed up on the earth and gave his life so that others might live. Like, what? How does that make sense? Because I really, I, I mean, honestly, what is, what is the stair step there? Okay, so Steve and, and, and Kristen, man, they're like, they're, they are really together. So Jesus, I love you. See, some of you guys are trying to figure it out too. Like right now, you're going, that's where the tension is for me. Where is it? How does that make sense? But let me, let me just put it like this. When you guys drove up in your cars, let's see all your cars. That's awesome. Some of y'all took the front row first. That's awesome. And, uh, and, uh, and so, like, I see your car, and here's what I don't do. I, I see all the parts, and I see all the things that make the wheels turn and make the windows go up and down, and I, I see all the stuff. And, and, and somewhere along the way, I go, man, somebody made that. Somebody put all those pieces together. Somehow, all those pieces have come together so well and so perfectly that four or five people will get in it without any care in the world and just be like, yeah, this is going to take me from A to B and we're going to be good. And not going to think twice about it, that you are rolling along the concrete at 70 miles an hour, for some of you 90 miles an hour, and for some reason that's just okay with you. It's like when I go fly, when I get in an airplane and I fly, there are at least once every time I fly, I go, what is happening right now? Like, what? What is going on? I am floating. And I'm reading a book. Like, I'm so cool with this that I'll read the latest magazine. Like, what? I'm more concerned. I don't even read a book when I'm at home because life's too crazy. And here I am in the middle of the sky and reading a magazine is like my first instinct. Like, how does that make sense? But here's the thing, and it's what happens in the body of Christ, and it's why we have to make every effort, and it's why we have to be a distinct community. Why? Because as we are fit together, as we are put together perfectly, somehow this body, somehow this church, somehow these people begin to move towards something and move in unison together and move in with purpose and intentionality and move with a vision and a mission and move into the lives of people and move into a city to change it and move at once with each other and somewhere along the line people go, there's no way that just happened. See, what should be amazing about the church 
is that it isn't all about because you guys all like the same color, the same kind of music, or the same kind of, it ain't about that. It ain't because you like fake Christian high school. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you found Jesus, and somehow now you're sitting next to someone who you would never, ever, ever have sat next to before. And it's not because you're perfect, because the person next to you, come on, they ain't perfect. And it's not because you guys all, I mean, when we are moving together, somehow, someway, floating along in the sky, somewhere along the way, people go, how did that imperfection match up with that perfection and point me towards perfection? How did that sinner and that sinner somehow point me to salvation? How did that person and that person point me towards the presence of God? How in the world did I show up on a Sunday, hang out with some people who I'm not sure have it all together, and somehow in that process meet Jesus? How is that possible? And that's when we as people don't go, well, I worked really hard at it. We go, no, 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 no. God is at work here. Because, see, that person said something to me, and and normally, in most places, I would just go to a different place. I'd go, all right, see you later. For some reason, there's something in my heart that says, i got to stick it out, and i got to be forgiving, and i got to let loose those things that want to keep me back, and I'm just going to continue to pursue their heart. And, and, you know, in in, in other gatherings, I'm supposed to be the one who steps out and stands up front and makes sure that I'm noticed. And somehow, some reason, when I come here, I just want to see other people thrive. I want to see other people successful. I want to see other people stepping into their giftings. I want to see other people rise up into what God's called them into. There's something weird about it. Like, I come in here, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, there's some amazing people in the room. It's weird what happens when I get with Jesus. I just begin to see people in a different way. I begin to notice things in a different way. And Ultimately, the reason you're standing in your front yard, the reason you're standing in the middle of the grocery store, the reason you're, you're in this place to begin with is so that people would know Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. And that God is for you. That God is with you. And that what Jesus has done never has to be redone, doesn't have to be edited, it doesn't have to be added to, and it will never be taken away from. What Jesus did, he did fully and completely in that moment, and all of a sudden now we don't approach each other just simply as righteous. We also approach each other as broken and hurting and in difficult circumstances. We ain't showing up pious, we're showing up knowing that we were sinners saved by grace. And it's because we're able to see that that we step into each other. We step into, we lean into each other, and we go, you know what, where are you at? Because I'm probably in the same place. I think we could work this thing out because Jesus is with us and for us. So Jesus closes his ministry with his prayer. Lord, let them be one. Let them be one. Because in that, the world, people, the earth will begin to recognize that you sent me. I, d- I don't know if you know this, but there's a high calling on your willingness to serve and to love and to bless and to encourage and to honor people. Because within that, that love that never ends, that love that will never be surpassed, that love that is unconditional, within that is, without question, the greatest witness the earth will ever see of what Jesus did. 
it will be the greatest witness that when we love people who may or may not deserve to be loved and we accept people who other people won't accept and we forgive people who seem to just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and when we fight for and make every effort for unity when everybody else would say it's time for you to move on from that when when we do those things somehow some way in all of that god is glorified so, so i want you to look around the room and go how can i lean into this how can i pursue this how, how can I make a way into this and be a part of seeing God glorified? Here's what I would say. For us to find unity with each other, for us to find relationship with one another at the level that God wants it and desires it for us because it be- he believes and he knows that it's what he's designed you for and made you for so that you can step into your next thing. Uh, if for us to do that, we must first start with the cornerstone Christ Jesus. We must start with Jesus because we have to know that in spite of everyone else's imperfections, in spite of how they're going to accept us or reject us or love us or not love us, in spite of all those things, we must know that in the midst of it all, Jesus paid a price for everything we could ever do or think and know that he will not, has not, and shall not ever, ever, ever stop loving you, fighting for you, leaning into you, inclining his ear to you, pursuing you, sending his Holy Spirit after you because he wants you in relationship. And it is that acknowledgement, understanding, and revelation that allows for us to be a people unified. It is in our acceptance of what Jesus has done the finished work of the cross, our imperfections no longer leading to disconnection or isolation, but now our imperfections made new, and now they are the very things that are allowing us to step into new life and step into the next thing and be put together with other people so that someone would look at us and go, how in the world are they flying through this? How in the world are they driving that fast? How in the world are they connected? Someone, somewhere, had something to do with this. That's the contrast. That's the distinction. That's who we are as the church, a people who accept all people, love all people, because we know that at the end of the day, the very thing that people need is to know that in spite of there was and what was and what happened and when it happened and how it happened, in spite of all those things, Jesus is for them. It's in that context that that they'll meet him. It's in that context that they'll accept him. So we love, love, and love some more. You bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are with us. I thank you that you are for us. And I thank you that it, you didn't just make it between me and you. That you didn't just put this together so that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like that wasn't the whole concept. That, that wasn't the whole design. That, that ultimately that's what you want. But, but you actually said that for us to fully experience that and for other people to actually see that and recognize that, for us to actually be able to really lean into it the way that there are other people are going to be involved. And in fact, it is upon us, it is incumbent upon us to be people who pursue that kind of oneness, that kind of unity, so that the world will know that you were sent, that you died, that you rose again, and that you love them the way you love us. That there is, without question, a love waiting for them, a love, in fact, pursuing them, a love that gave everything 
for them. In fact, there's some of us in this room, there's some of us in this room right now who have been waiting for a moment to say, you know what, I want to step into that. In fact, you're not here by accident. This was not uh, unintentional. God is working in your heart, and there are people around you who brought you today. They've been praying for you. And, and maybe for some of us in this room, we're making a decision to step towards Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we're going, you know, I want the kind of unity that doesn't judge people by how they look or judge people uh, by, by where they've been or how they've dealt with life or the things that have hit them. I, I want to be a part of a community that believes in one another, that honors one another, that forgives one another, that loves one another, that fights for one another, that's unified in such a way that it doesn't point to ourselves but points to something greater. I, I want to be a part of that. It starts with Jesus. And for some of us today, we want to make a step, a decision towards Jesus for the first time. For some of us, man, we let that go a long time ago. And for some of us, we're making a decision today, today, to step back into this life of Christ. To lean back into what it is to know Jesus. To just simply make a decision to surrender and to yield all things to God. Because in that, we will discover not only community, but calling. And how we fit into the body of Christ. And when we fit into the body of Christ, it helps other people fit into the body of Christ. And when everybody's fitting into the body of Christ, all of a sudden the body of Christ begins to move at a rate it's never moved before. And then all of a sudden people begin to recognize the body of Christ as one that is connected to Jesus. And all of a sudden they are going, I want to be part of that kind of community. God, the decisions we make today, right now, matter. They matter. Not just for our eternity, but even for the next years of our life. It matters. For some of you today, you want to go, I need to step back into Jesus. I need to step into Jesus for the first time. If that's you this morning, just a couple seconds, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Not to point you out, but to pray with you. To encourage you and to make this decision with you. Because we are in this together. If that's you this morning, you say, you know, I want to step back towards Jesus. I want to step back into unity. I want to step back into faithfulness. I want to step back into grace and love and community at a level I've never stepped into it before. And maybe for the first time, for the first time in a long time, that's you. Would you just right now, with boldness and courage in your heart, knowing this is without question the right thing. Would you just right now, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Is anyone here that say, that's me? I want to step back into this today. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray that those around us those we're going back to this week would encounter God through our life. Okay? We're going to pray for that one or two or three people you know on your street that need Jesus. I want you just right now think about that person. God, we pray right now for people in our life, in our life, that we can be a witness to because of the way we treat people, because of the way we love people because of the way we talk about the body of Christ, because of the way we talk about your church, because of the way we talk about and act uh, in regards to those we know, those we love. God, I pray that our unity together would be a witness to those around us, that you were sent, that Jesus, you were sent for us, for people. Lord, I know there are people in here today who would say, you know what, I've not been at one. I've not been at unity. 
And I've actually kind of let that go. But today I pray that we would be a contrasting community, one who would not let go of people, one who would not let go of the goodness in the lives of people, would not let go of the potential of people, would not let go of the calling of people. And God, that through it all, we are stretched and shifted and made and created and shaped in the image of Christ so that we could walk into the calling you put in our life. I pray that we would be a people that because of who we are in Christ and who we are in community, we would see others decide to follow Jesus. We thank you that there is something in this house and in this church that is going to move it into a place where the lives of thousands of people are changed. I thank you that you are moving us into a place of greater unity, of taking bigger steps together, greater steps together to see Jesus on every street and in every heart. I thank you that you fit us together perfectly so your presence would dwell and that people would encounter you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.